the Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. Hello. How's it going? It's good. You said uh, we just started recording, but we chit-chatted a little bit before, and you were telling me about an awesome show you saw. Yeah, last night I mm-hmm. saw a uh, sort of comedy show, but much more like feminist performance art uh, show called One Trick Pony by a artist named Adrian Truscott, and uh, it included wrestling, uh, lots of critiques on the way that we expect women's bodies to function, some jokes about... Uh, working through the trauma of sexual assault, Mm -hmm. general misandry, uh, and forcing the audience to listen to Snow Patrol. (laughs) (laughs) Like, maybe my favorite part of that? Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, she just lays face down on the stage uh, (laughs) for the entirety of Chasing Cars, the song you definitely heard on Grey's Anatomy in about 2005. A million times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... And I I was so, so excited. Yeah. There was a, it's like a heavy dose of Andy Kaufman when she forces a random dude from the audience to wrestle with her. Can I tell you like my favorite part of that though <laughs> is oftentimes that's a brand of comedy only men <laughs> get away with. Oh yeah. Because like men can be uh, insane and insufferable and people are like, what an artist. And if oh, a woman yeah. has a bad day, it's like, well, she's unprofessional and we uh, can't work with we her. We can't deal with that. It's not funny. <laughs> it's not It's not entertaining. It's not funny. Oh, no. it's, everybody's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I don't like when women uh, are angry or experimental. Yeah. But, so I love that she's doing that. Oh yeah. The... Um, yeah, the the series of uh, where you know, cause there's a screen behind her, so there were several jokes that worked, uh, like you know, dramatic irony style, mm-hmm. including a dictionary definition of dramatic irony as she <laughs> is like making <laughs> jokes. Oh, it was so beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. So yes, there are at least there's at least one woman out there actually doing doing right by Andy Kaufman. Good. So Good. yeah. yeah. Um, so, while we are in the pop culture section, guys, it's a Monday episode, so I have a wonderful interview that I'm going to play for you that's coming up, and it's appropriate that we're talking about pop culture, because we talk a little bit about pop culture in the interview. I spoke with Rachel Burks. She's an analytical chemist and assistant professor of chemistry at St. Edward's University in Austin. Badass. But also, you might know her, and if you don't follow her on Twitter, you absolutely should go do that. Um, She's a popular science communicator. She uses pop culture as an anchor to explore chemistry. She also uses pop culture for sort of like a vehicle to discuss a bunch of stuff, not just science, but also like race and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, she's a very, very cool person. She's also hilarious. So uh, we spoke a little bit, and that's coming up. so, but before we get to that, I wanted to ask you, Meredith, mm-hmm. if there was anything um, that you wanted to recommend people watch or listen to oh, I have read. I have a number of things, actually. Um, I watched recently a movie that I was a big fan of called The Resort. And that's R-E-Z-O-R-T. It is a zombie movie that's kind of like... It's like zombie Jurassic Park. Ooh. Uh, in a in a universe where there had been a zombie outbreak, 
it's been contained, and the only place where the zombies are are on this island that has turned into a exclusive safari park type hunting <gasps> excursion Ooh. place. And uh, as you can imagine, things go wrong. Yeah, I would imagine. So yeah, um, I was. It's Australian. I was oh, a okay. big fan. Where did you watch it? Uh, Netflix. Great. You can find it. It is. Uh, yeah, well worth the hour and a half of your time. Very cool. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything. I'm still working my way through the break, which is oh, great. Yeah, which is very fun. Uh, also on Netflix, also in the like true crime, not true crime, uh, like mystery genre. Yeah, it's, just, it's really fun to watch. And I know we've talked about this before, but like mm. to watch how different countries do their version of Broadchurch. Like yes, exactly, <laughs> and it's it's all pretty much the same family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this is very interesting because it is it's like the the classic grizzled detective with a tortured background story, but it's French, so everyone has beautiful French accents. Oh, I know. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, and I think his daughter is played by the woman who's the star of Raw, the French um, cannibalism movie. Oh, okay. She's great. Yeah. Um, and also, that's a, another recommendation if you haven't seen it. Uh, vegan uh, animal... It Raw. Raw. Okay. Vegan animal rights activist and uh, student um, somehow suddenly has an insatiable taste for blood and meat <laughs> like you do oh yeah. yeah it's definitely the kind of thing that's it's it's a fucking amazing movie and everyone should see it it's definitely like a it's good for misandrists cool Let's just say that way all right yep. i like that i'm into it big fan and is there anything else i've been watching oh, i think i haven't seen any movies or anything like that i did want to talk about um Oh, right. If you're not listening to yeah. the new Robin song on repeat yes. constantly, uh, you should be doing that just because, come on, everybody needs some happiness in the world. Also, there's a YouTube video of, uh, so Robin's new track is called Missing You, and it's a tribute to her fans because she hasn't had a new album in- Eight years. Eight years, which is like- such a long time in the music industry, but yeah. her fans have remained really loyal to her. And here in Brooklyn, there is a Robin dance party. I've been to it. It's one of the most amazing things in the world. I have to go. I've never been to it. I actually had never heard of it, but it's just a bunch of diehard Robin supporters who love her so much. And they put on dance parties where they only play Robin's music. And they made like a fan video and Robin saw it. And then she fucking came to Brooklyn and she came to Robin night. But the video is really moving because it's a bunch of, you know, like queer, um, you know, LGBT people who are like, Robin means so much to us. She got me through really difficult times and Robin saw all of their stories. And, you know, obviously she was very moved by it. So it's this amazing culmination of her. I cried coming. so I hard. I cried so hard. It's really beautiful. And her track is, her new track is really beautiful because it's a tribute to her fans and she's just the best. And I love her. Yeah. Um. So allegedly she'll have a new re record coming out sometime. So w it's just unclear exactly right. like when that's on. But she was kind enough to give us an original song in the vein of Dancing on My Own. Right. Also take your time. Don't let people rush you. Um, I mean, not when it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, Remember yeah. when Frank Ocean just built some stairs because he was like, can you all calm the fuck down? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an artist and I will take as long as I need to take. Yeah, it's fine. Well, I'll it's, wait eight years for Robin. It's okay. 
And if we get lucky, we might end up in a magical land where we get a new Robin album and a new Carly Rae Jepsen album at the same time. I die. And I die. Uh, that if, would be a pop supernova. What if they appear on each other's albums? I'm just saying. Um, I'm just yeah, saying. That's, that's like... It's like world ending. I'm not Meredith, sure. Meredith just shook her head. Like you, you can't throw shit like that out into the ether. I can't. I wouldn't be able to handle it. Like I would just like I would cry. It would be it would be too much. Uh, so while we're in the pop culture section, before we get to the interview with Rachel, I do want to talk about this because it is pop culture-y. Uh, Trump's weird fixation with LeBron James. Oh my God. And it's not weird. He just hates black people. So, and especially LeBron James, you know, he's been in the news lately because he opened this $8 million public school mm-hmm. that's received a lot of praise because it's for at-risk youth in his hometown of Akron, Ohio. And it's actually public it's an and not a charter school. school. Yeah, that was another thing. When I heard it was an $8 million school, I was like, oh no, is this a charter school? It's a public school. Mm-hmm. If you've seen video of the inside of it, it is like beautiful state of the art and he's also promised that any kid who makes it through the program uh is guaranteed uh tuition at the university of akron right so he's committed to like if every kid who's currently like enrolled Mm -hmm. made it uh he's committed something like 41 million dollars just to pay for their tuition and i think like let's think about how great that is i mean it's unbelievable like and lebron in my mind, is the greatest example of a one of the greatest athletes of all time, obviously, truly giving back to the community. Because mm-hmm. that was a big criticism of, like, Michael Jordan, for example. Yeah. Michael Jordan made a ton of money. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he's uh, he was a spiteful, selfish yes. jerk in a lot of ways. In, <laughs> in like... Yeah, sort of like OJ in a lot of ways, where, you know, he's a black man, but he didn't really ever um i don't want to say like give back to the black community but like he he thought he was above race yeah um and there's a reason why he said republicans buy shoes too yep yep that was a very infamous quote from michael (laughs) jordan um and lebron i think is a great example of someone who like truly remembers the community he comes from and like tries to give back as much as he can it just has a sense of like that that takes a sense of place and then wants to like just never seems to forget that there are kids that could be like him and he just yes. wants to try and make sure everyone has as many opportunities as possible like dude just clearly has an analysis of like basic society that also, most people don't like not to um not that it matters he has never ever ever been in a scandal Mm-hmm. LeBron has never gotten a speeding ticket. Like he's married to the same woman he's been married to. Just takes mm-hmm. care of his kids and like, you know, not to do the respectability policing shit, but this dude like has never made a wrong move. And well, he's taken the the like the role model like respectability politics thing and then built on it. You know, he is right. not content to just sit back and be like the exceptional basketball player black man he's decided or like, like this is super self-indulgent you know yeah. like you know, what michael jordan did where it's like he blew a lot of his money gambling you oh, know God, yeah. um but he gave 
bike. Like every kid in his school gets a bicycle. Like because <laughs> yeah. when he was a it's kid, insane. they like he said the bike having a bike made it possible for him to like get places and expand his horizons in a way that like he <sighs> wouldn't have had otherwise. So he wants to make sure every kid that goes to his school has that just same chance. Like such a good dude. Yeah. Although I will say this, I love that Trump tried to. So he tweets this ridiculous thing where he says, LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like Mike. <laughs> so a reporter spoke to Michael Jordan and was like, you know, asked him about this. And Michael Jordan, to his credit, was like, uh, I respect LeBron James. Like, would not allow trump to create this like dumb false rivalry yeah. between them well and i mean like we should also contextualize that like in the don lemon interview on cnn which mm. aired at 11 p.m by the way so what is Donald, he doing yeah and of course like oh i hate fake news but he couldn't help it because he's got <laughs> there's two smart black men having a conversation right. and it was clearly a response to the fact that when don lemon asked him if he would sit down to discuss, like to talk to president, like to Trump, he was like, no, I wouldn't do that. Right. And he's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't sit down. And he was like, no, there'd be no point. I'd talk to Barack though. <laughs> <laughs> and you just like between the refute, like this, the straight out refusal to pay fealty and the invocation of Barack Obama. <laughs> to just, blew a circuit. <laughs> just couldn't help himself. Yeah. It was it was truly amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it's a mystery why Trump would have a problem with a successful uh, black man who gives back to the black community for some reason. I don't know. He really doesn't like him. I, it's just one of those mysteries we'll never have answered. Guys, we're going to go to our interview right now with Rachel Burks. Please go follow her on Twitter. She's at Dr. Rub... How do we think this is pronounced? Uh, Rubidinium. So Dr. Dr. R-U-B-I-D-I-U-M. If you follow us on Twitter, I'll just link to her Twitter yep. hang handle and you can just click that and follow her from there. But do follow her. She is brilliant, hilarious, insightful, talks about pop culture. I mean, what else do you want? I can only give you so much, okay? Um, guys, She's trying, guys. I'm trying. Please enjoy. Please go follow Rachel. And yeah, enjoy the interview. As you know, things are terrible right now. Um, but I mean, I guess things are always bad. Yeah. Let me start over. This is not a good way to start this interview. Uh, but I'm just checking in with people to see what their media diet is at the moment, meaning whatever you're reading, listening to, or watching that's giving you joy, or maybe if not like joy, is allowing you to escape for a little okay. bit. Okay. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, I do definitely have my escapes. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with what are you watching right now? So, you know, of course, the new season of Luke Cage. Loving yes. it. Um, but I admit to being I love, 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 first of all, any kind of mystery. Mm -hmm. But there's a particular genre that just makes me laugh and fills me with joy um, and which which is odd because it's about murder sure um but it's it's that whole genre of the english countryside homicide <laughs> oh yes right especially if it's set in that era of bef between the world wars or after world war ii where it's like 
they were killing each other like hotcakes. <laughs> what is it with rich white people in the English countryside? I think the most dangerous place to be is don't accept an invitation to a country manor holiday party. Yeah. Because you're either going to be murdered or be the murderer. Can so I, Can I tell you my favorite version of that? It's actually, it's not a British mystery. Although I guess Miss Marples is kind of this version. But yes. yes. American version, Murder, She Wrote. I was oh, just like. I'm loving. I, I am a way, an MSW fan from way back. But I'm like, yeah. why does Jessica Fletcher get invited anywhere? Anywhere in the world. If someone's she rolls into a party, someone's dying. I'm like, why don't people learn? I would see her and be like, deuces. (laughs) (laughs) Bail, bail. (laughs) Yep. Love you, JB. I'm out. (laughs) And if you are related to her, like that's the other thing. And this is how much of a nerd I am. I literally kept the spreadsheet on the related misdemeanors and felonies of an average Murder, She Wrote episode. (laughs) If you are related to her, because she had nieces and nephews, I mean, her nephew, Grady, the number of times that boy was accused of murder. Oh, yeah. I forgot about all of her miscellaneous relatives. Right. And then Seth, the country doctor, if, you know, both of his brothers were murdered when like the first two, three seasons. I'm like, if you know her, the most dangerous place to be isn't even Cabot Cove, Maine. It's within five feet of J.B. Fletcher. (laughs) Right. Right. So I, I love the countryside version. I love... You know, Grant Chester on PBS, Father Brown. Um, I love, like, Midsummer Murders is my jam. Right. If you love Murder, She Wrote, you will love Midsummer Murders. Because it's just so, what is going on with Midsummer? <laughs> I don't know. The counties of Midsummer are, are cuckoo. Um, but even there's some great, really, um, you know, I fly a lot. So usually I'm working on a plane, but on the takeoff and landing. I usually will read and sometimes you just want, you want to read frivolous, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm reading some great nonfiction books, but they're heavy. Right. And sometimes you just want a light English countryside murder. Yep. So (laughs) there's, there's some great ones that are, you know, I really like the ones that too, that fit again, like a Miss Marple, the the detective or the, the busybody slash busybody is a, is a lady. Um, might be a lady by title or just, just a lady by self identification. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's just going around, first of all, again, why there's so many murders when you're around, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, solving the upstairs, downstairs, there's just something about this whole quaint, it looks super cute because of course, when we think murder mystery, we're thinking like the wire in Baltimore and like. Law and Order in New York. And I'm thinking like, Mm-mm, you need right. to be worried about Cambridge. <laughs> yeah, it is actually true. Uh, <laughs> and then is there anything you're listening to right now? Meaning it could be a podcast or music. So um, as far as podcasts go, they're kind of all over the map. I like Gastropod mm-hmm. the of science and history. Um, and then from the, the true crime um, is I really like somebody knows something. Yes, that's a great one. Um, I really, really like that one. And I, I love the blurred girl does some really fun stuff on sci-fi and pop culture and science. Um, so those are, they're very different, but I think they're all great. Um, and music wise, I love the classics, but 
maybe what most people don't know about me is I love electronic dance music. <laughs> Hell yeah, I do too. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, ooh, the remix is out. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Like nine different remixes to the same, you know, T-Pain song. Um, mm-hmm. And so I love the option on Spotify where, you know, they, I love how sometimes they suggest things and you're like, what's wrong with me that you suggested this? But I love the EDM channels. Mm. Um, and so those are, those are really good. Really fast paced gets you going. Yes. Um, you know, but some days you, you are just like, no, I'm just going to wallow in my rage against the machine. <laughs> right. Right. But Especially now. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're like, you know, but then you want to get pulled out of it. So I do like, um, to get out of it. And there's a local group here in Texas called the sufferers, mm. very different genre, very kind of blues, um, and they're really great. And so I, I try to mix it up a bit. But yeah, I think EDM would be, in, especially early in the mornings when you're trying to to get going. Yeah, yeah. That's when I need it too. Um, and I know you said that you're reading or you like to read um, murder mysteries, but is there anything else you're reading at the moment that you would recommend to everyone? I am. I'm reading, um, so you want to talk about race. Mm-hmm. And I'm really enjoying that. Um, and I think it's, you know, got some really interesting um, points to it. I think she's a great writer. Um, and then from I was re- it was recommended to me as a, a kind of a starting out pre tenure uh, tenure tenure track faculty was to read something called the effective executive. Hmm. So it's one of these, you know, leadership management <laughs> books, right? Um, but I'm also reading, I have a bad habit, I guess, a bad habit of reading to trying to read too many books. At once. <laughs> right. Um, but the cooking gene, Ooh, I don't know that I believe that one is really great. It's like a family history, but through cuisine. Oh, interesting. And so it's, um, the tagline for the book is a journey through African-American culinary history in the old South. And it's oh, written by yeah. Michael and I think he just won like the James Beard Award. That's why I heard about it. Yes. Right. Like he just won this big award. Yeah. And so, you know, I love I love the kinds of books that are nonfiction that tell a historical story, but they tell it through the lens of something else. I think like, that book was the first one to win the Beard Award without explicitly being a cooking book. Right. Right. That's yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. And and so what I like about this book is that kind of, you know, it's very different, but I like the books like um, History of the World in Six Glasses mm-hmm. or those types of books that, you know, they're clearly telling some level of history, but they're doing it through maybe this odd or, or not the traditional like, let me give you a list of wars and a list of dates and, <laughs> you know, kind of tell it to you in this way. It's it's in these it's in a different context. Right. And. And so I think that, you know, to tell this big saga of not only, you know, race relations in the North South, but the the evolution of cooking and what it means to, you know, to have family and his own family. I mean, it, there's just so much in this book. So to call it like, a oh, it's a cooking book. It's clearly this whole historical family, you know, but it, it, it has this that it's about food, I think almost makes it you know, it's kind of like, it makes it more comfortable for folks, Mm. including myself. I mean, sometimes, you know, the topics like we talked about at the start is, 
okay, so the world is trash, right? right? <laughs> Everything's on fire. Um, and there are some very difficult conversations that need to happen that are either not happening or not happening well, and they're happening for some folks. But sometimes there's a way to frame things that it just makes people comfortable. I'm not talking about civility because fuck that too. Right. I mean, I mean, literally mean sometimes when we talk about, you know, I do a lot of these like pop culture science talks. And even though the conversation is about, say, Luke Cage, right? Mm -hmm. Science of Luke Cage, you might actually be talking about the mythology that's attached to African-Americans in medicine where mm. blacks feel less pain. Right. What's well, not true. Like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, you, you're talking about this show quote, Oh, we're just talking about a show, but you end up talking about social structure and poverty and medical racism and right. And like mm -hmm. all of this other stuff. And I feel like with books like this, you're talking about really heavy subject matter, but everybody's like, Hmm, gumbo. Right. right. <laughs> so it almost feels you like with a little bit of a security blanket right. while you dive into something that can be quite uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it's like um, maybe a unifying point that we can gather around where it's like everybody likes gumbo, right? <laughs> and we can Everyone like likes butter, right? Okay, yeah. we're good. And like we right? can <laughs> we, we can meet there and then it's like, by the way, can we talk about race a little bit? And by then they're eating gumbo and they're like, right. well, I guess. <laughs> right. Like, so you can't, I think it's, you know, and sometimes too, it's about whose voice gets amplified. And, you know, there's, there's a certain areas where people are allowed, quote unquote, by who, right. But they're allowed to be experts. Right. And there are certain genres where it's, it's sneaky expertise almost where, oh, it's silly, frivolous, you know, pop culture. But yeah, we're describing why you, a neutrino burst as the setup for Prometheus is nonsense because the case of shockwave wouldn't work that way. <laughs> like you're talking actually about astronomy, physics, chemistry. But because someone says, oh, but it's silly. So you girls get to talk about it. Mm. You're like, OK, whatever. Right. Like, I think there's also the sneaky undercover angle of. I'm going to get in whatever way that I can. Right. And if you're, you know, sometimes these traditional modes of, you know, lectureship with this tagline isn't available to you, mm. you take what avenue is. Yeah, that's true. Because I think there are still a lot of people, very stupidly, who don't take pop culture seriously um, because they don't know that's such a broad umbrella. And right. like some people are having fascinating conversation. I mean, you just talked about some of the, the possibilities of how interesting and nuanced a conversation ostensibly about pop culture can get. But yeah, unfortunately, there's still a lot of people who are, or maybe not unfortunately, because maybe they'll stay the fuck away from it. Right. And that's then, what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. And then we can do whatever the stay fuck away. we want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Keep calling it stupid. I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be in your country club and you keep calling it that. Yeah. And we'll be over here at the bar having a better time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then finally, before I let you go, outside of, of media, um, what are, would you recommend people do to sort of um, do self-care at the moment? You know, I think for me, what I've realized lately is sometimes the thing that we think about is self-care, like working out mm -hmm. or extra, whatever that looks like for you, whatever you're, you know, my mom does water aerobics. Um, I'm a runner, whatever that looks like for you. It could be low impact, high impact. I think it sometimes is reduced to like vanity. Right. 
And it's not. This is your health. Mm. It's also time where you can listen to the music you want or the podcast you want or just be away. And for me, I tell people sometimes I, I do really hard workouts like boot camp this morning at 530 because it is going to in that hour. The only thing I'm thinking about is don't die. <laughs> right. I'm not thinking about how trash everything is. I'm not thinking about the 19,000 things I have to do at work. And, you know, don't let someone else tell you that it's vanity, that it's no, this is your health and you and your workout and your walk and your whatever that is valuable. And I think that that's, you know, take that time, whatever that time is, and absolutely make it a priority and tell people it's your health because it is mm. not, oh, I got to worry about my, you know, summer fine, whatever that might be your goal, but it is your health. And I think that 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 is our priority. If you're not well, like we see in the safety videos when we're not ignoring them on the plane, take care of yourself and then help someone else. I think that that's as friends and as colleagues, if we can do anything better, especially in this trash times we're living in, is looking at our friends and saying, you know what you need to do? How about if you just how about if we cancel tonight or if we what do you need to do for you? A nap? walk like if we if we, if the people we loved we just said that to our inner circle mm. I think that we could have we could all practice better self-care in that let's make that a priority thanks again to Rachel go follow her on Twitter tell her how much you enjoyed the interview all of that good stuff guys it's that time of the show I'm so sorry let's all hold hands and cry mm. here's your bad news boo So let's just kick it old school in the bad news section. White supremacists. Ooh. So there's a story in the Washington Post. Oh, this is some serious <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. Um, so there is a Unite the Right white nationalist rally coming up on August 12th. And... In Washington, D.C. So a bunch of racists are going to descend yes. upon... Uh, I'm sorry, it's in Charlottesville. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. A bunch of racists are going to descend upon... No, wait, wait. Uh, I am, this is the same group who organized Charlottesville. And it's they're going to be on like the like the mall or something, yes, right? Yeah. That, that is... Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So this is the same group of people who organized the deadly rally in Charlottesville where a counter-protester was murdered by a white supremacist. Heather Heyer, we can say. We Heather Heyer, yes. her name. Um, and the same group of people is now going to hold a Unite the Right rally in Washington, D.C. So uh, Metro, which is the, the public transportation in Washington, D.C., is trying to figure out how to <laughs> navigate having a bunch of white supremacists descending upon Washington, D.C. Because, I mean, of course, they hate black people. They also probably hate government But they still really want to be able to take public transit to their (laughs) racist gathering. Right. So, and by the way, I should say uh, more white supremacists than usual descending upon Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C. So the solution that Metro came up with is providing separate trains for racists. Well, that's that's also because they've managed to find a shitty solution Mm -hmm. to a good 
problem, like a, a problem that was created through a good thing, which was union solidarity, because yes. most of the transit workers are not white, uh, essentially refused to run like regular trains and say they didn't want to actually provide them with services. And so now they have said they're going to provide them with separate trains in order to like right. protect them quote unquote well they also are trying to kind of like speaking of Heather hired like sort of saying we're protecting counter protesters too because obviously white supremacists can be very violent um so speaking of the union ATL uh, ATU local 689 president Jackie Jeter said that members of the union the majority of whom are people of color draw the line at providing special service for supporters of a group that espouses white nationalism. Uh, so obviously, I agree with that. <laughs> I think it's absurd to provide racists with cover under the guise of pretending as though we're protecting people of color. Yeah, well, you know, there's, it's, there it's understandable that they want to prevent violence because I do think that some khaki wearing proud boy motherfucker absolutely would be the kind of person to throw someone in front of a train because like they're monsters. But My I also think like, like don't you let them on the train. Shame, like name and shame them. Like this is, if they're going to be there, there's lots of ways to show solidarity. That's like, yes, not letting them on the train, not letting them into the station. Uh, yeah. Just, just don't let them. them and like, I, I get that, you know, they, they're public transportation, so they're like, we can't pick and choose who from the public gets to ride our trains. But here's the problem with that. It, it reminds me of, like, Well, then you, com you do community organizing to prevent them to even access the service, you know? So that's the thing, like... Yeah, it's no platforming. <laughs> it's no platforming. Literally no platforming. But oftentimes what happens, like, I think well-meaning people, well-meaning, you know, maybe not even public servants, but, like, progressives are saying, we can't deprive people of services, but mm -hmm. that is what fascists rely on. Yeah. Fascists rely on that impulse to allow them into the public sphere. They rely on the fact that they know they can use public transportation. They know they can get on college campuses mm -hmm. and say a bunch of bullshit because of the First Amendment. Yeah. They know that, but... That's how they infect democracy. So you yeah. have to no platform them. You can't allow them access to stuff yeah. like this. I mean, it's it's the uh, it's the public services version of Nazi punching questions. Yes, like uh, like no, you absolutely like the government shouldn't punch Nazis. Everybody else can. Like, um, speaking of which, somebody definitely punched a Nazi in Portland yesterday. And oh, it we're going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, good. That's a, that's a good news. Um, yeah, I'm, it's going to be a terrifying experience. I mean, don't forget that Washington, D.C. is a profoundly diverse and extremely black city. Right. And it's just that people in the, like, the actual power brokers are, are white. And so... This is like genuine terrorism that's happening mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. next weekend. Um, so the fact that this is still like they're they're going to provide the solution and and give them even a a tiny, tiny bit of comfort is like deeply upsetting. Yeah. Well, Jeter um, also pointed out that. There was this recent case where Metro decided to ban controversial advertisements. Oh, yeah. So Jeter is suggesting that she believes uh, the Metro should use the same standard when determining whose specialized transit needs they need to accommodate. Yeah. 
which is a great point. It's not as though Metro has never weighed in on this stuff. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, they arrest the shit out of people for eating or drinking on the trains. Like, sure. And, you know, I guess who deals with that disproportionately? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So that's the. Yeah. That's so let's talk about the Proud Boys in Portland. Um, maybe you're right. It should partly be in the good news section because, you know, we can revisit and post the some Nazis got punched. It was a good time. Uh, But there was also um, multiple people, including a journalist, were injured and at least two people were arrested in Portland. I mean, it was a pretty scary crash. It was. was It got pretty ugly and the cops were not helping things. No, I mean, it is. I was going to say bizarre, but not really. Like, historically fitting to see the police arresting counter-protesters who were trying to stop Nazis. <laughs> and that is what happened. Um, but the reporter who was inter- uh, injured was from the uh, Oregonian. Uh, Oregonian. Uh, Eder Cabizano was hit by some type of object and was seen bleeding from the head in a photo posted to Twitter. Um, So they'll be okay, apparently. But uh, supporters of the groups that organized the rally were also injured during the event. Uh, HuffPost reporter Andy uh, Campbell posted a series of tweets showing people from Patriot Prayer's side of the event bleeding from their ears and eyes. And Patriot Prayer is the bad side. The bad side. Just remember that that is, yeah. (laughs) If you couldn't figure it out from the word Patriot or prayer. (laughs) (laughs) The bad side of it. Um, So it's still unclear, like, who is responsible for the injuries and all of that stuff. Um, But at least two counter-protesters appear to have been arrested by the Portland police. One of them was seen throwing water at police officers. Oh, no, I hope they're okay. Mm, Uh, Damn. (laughs) I got wet. So, yeah. But if you didn't see the videos from the protest or the counter-protest, it was really uh, terrifying. And it is always horrifying to see police in the spirit again under the guise of like quote-unquote keeping the peace yep defending fascists yeah no i mean the the it's law and order goes hand in hand with fascism and we all know this but it's really frustrating when you get to watch that also just worth pointing out uh portland oregon lots and lots and lots of nazis oh yeah out there uh if you haven't seen the movie green room Oh, oh God. God. Oh, but buddy. also, yeah, there it's it's not surprising that this happened in Portland because no. this mm-hmm. is like um but yeah, just another another moment to remember that like these bastions of white liberalism are uh usually full of of like racists or surrounded by racists. Right. And there is like you know, scratch the surface a little bit and you'll find a bunch of Nazis. Yeah, I mean, it's the same deal with Denver, too. Like, surrounding mm-hmm. Denver are these very red militia areas. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, we're we're progressives and liberals, so we think of Portland, we think of Denver, and we're like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. hippie, crunchy, like, liberal types. Yeah. And it's like, to a certain extent, yes, but also there's this real fucked up Proud Boys shit going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, also when I say, like, it makes sense historically with the police, what I mean is that uh, p- 
police were created uh, in the wake of slavery. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it wasn't just a matter of police officers like, quote unquote, tolerating racist behavior. They were the Klansmen. Oh, yes. They were also KKK members. Uh, they would segue smoothly from their jobs in police forces into Klan meetings. So that is actually the the roots of policing in the United States. So it does make sense mm-hmm. that, you know, like, some of those cops are probably Pratt boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, guys, um, I also wanted to talk about this article at The Nation by Kate Aronoff about there was this big climate blockbuster um, article. Full, a full issue of the New York Times yes. Magazine, um, 30,000 words or something about... About climate change, which uh, is great. I'm really glad the New York Times is devoting that much time to the most important story that's happening. It was 115 degrees in Portugal this week. Just that's remember. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And we're seeing more extreme weather, you know, all over the world. Um, and we will continue to see that, obviously. So the article in the New York Times was written by Nathaniel Rich. And to her credit, Kate Aronoff, like, does shout out the good aspects of mm-hmm. it. Um Her central beef, I guess you could say, is that Nathaniel sort of presents, first of all, it's a very, very gloomy takeaway. It runs runs through how there there was a moment in relatively recent history, our lifetime. Yes. That the uh, 80s, 90s, early 90s. Into the, actually just in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the decade of the 80s. where there there was enough consensus that they conceivably could have actually come together uh, to create a binding global policy to stop, like to try and address climate change before it started. And that like that fell apart uh, and how that fell apart. Right. And so Kate makes a great point that Nathaniel sort of frames it as the world has failed. Mm -hmm. And her point is it's not, it wasn't the world. Fair to say the world failed. The United States really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> We're we, the ones no, who really dropped the ball. Yeah, because we decided to listen to the owners, the, to the companies that are in, responsible for something like 50% of the emissions. So, that, yeah, you know? I, I like Kate's column because there's a couple things in it that sort of gave me hope. And that's one of the points where when we're talking about who is responsible for the most global warming, Mm -hmm. it's a handful of companies. And to me, it's just 100 companies that have been responsible for 71% of emissions since 1988. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's just 100 companies. So I don't know, though. That kind of makes me feel inspired because obviously if we're going to slow because that's really what we're talking about right now we're talking about slowing the effects yeah of I mean, climate yeah. change i was gonna say like or not even slowing just mitigating, mitigating. like the question of like sure. let's let's try and keep it to non-civilization destroying warming right. increases so right. like let's see if we can stop it at four degrees celsius rather than five degrees right which sounds fatalist but in terms of like if what we're trying to do is save as many lives as possible and that's the best outcome we can mm-hmm. hope for now, that's what we have to aim for now, right? Yep. So 
if just 100 companies are standing between us and making that a reality... We should be destroying those companies We should destroy right 100 companies right now. And... Like, that's, like, genuinely for the good of humanity. To save everyone. Yeah. To, like, if we could... To save everyone. Literally to save the world. We have to destroy 100 companies? We destroy those 100 companies. Yeah. Now, we can wait for the government to decide that capitalism is going to kill all of us. That's probably not going to happen. No. So that will have to be direct action. Mm -hmm. um, that is not impossible. No, not Stuff at all. like that has happened through the course of civilization yeah. thousands of times, you know? I mean, like yeah. entire empires falling, let alone a company, you know? Oh, no. I mean, it is, it is not inconceivable that dedicated activists could destroy Don Blankenship. Uh, right. He's a, a coal mining baron in West right. Virginia who's responsible for the deaths of dozens of workers mm -hmm. in one of his dangerous mines. Uh, and also current West Virginia Senate candidate. Sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> he's a felon, by the way. He is. Just to say, yeah, yeah. He's a legitimate felon. So, but yes, we should, if we destroyed him, uh, yeah. I mean, the West Virginians would be sad because they would have to rely on math production for jobs. But mm -hmm. they already do. Right. Um, but again, we're trying to save lives here. Right, so I will link to the Nation column because there's so much I want to read from it, but there's just not enough time. But I like Kate's takeaway from it because it's a little less bleak mm -hmm. <laughs> and also provides, in, in, in my mind, a solution, which is, okay, well, we know that capitalism, we know that these companies are behind climate change, so we know what we have to do. Yeah. Um, and that's always been the case. I mean, uh, Naomi Klein has her climate yeah. change book in which she makes the very clear, compelling argument where she's like, we have to dismantle capitalism if we want to stop mm -hmm. or slow down climate change. Um, but once again, this is also a great example of how generational changes in political uh, thinking are really important because yes. a lot of the same people who are turning out and doing like socialist activism and are like running for office at the local level in ways that are like genuinely progressive supporting Medicare for all etc cetera, etc cetera. like those are also the people who were probably like born after this moment that Nathaniel Rich was writing about well that's so, the like, thing that's yeah. the the moment is now like they don't live they've only ever lived in a world where trying to slow this down is the thing Right. that they can do. And right. I think like that offers a really interesting opportunity. Um, if yeah, because like our them... generation there, you know, a lot of people were very crestfallen because we did have the 80s where it was like, we're going to stop this thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're not. Okay. And like a lot of people were sort of on their heels from that where it was oh, yeah. like, okay, so. I mean, myself included. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as you pointed out, younger people who never had that moment of optimism are now just sort of like, okay, well, we have to save yeah. as many people as we can then. And and they're the ones that have been getting institutions to divest from fossil fuel companies, yeah. um, you know, that have been That's changing. The thing. There uh, have yeah. been success stories. Mm -hmm. And I think it's essential that we focus on those too yeah, yeah. i mean ireland nationally divesting yeah um uh huge. All fossil fuels huge that was a huge story and it was a, a good news story we're talking about good news in the bad news section guys can you handle it um but yeah please do go read the entire nation article i'll link to it at our Lipson page and also read kate's stuff in general on climate change she's, she's great. a fantastic fantastic climate reporter she's so good yeah um so our Lipson page is we are light treason news 
www.lipson.com. I believe that's it. Do you read the whole thing? Share it with your friends. Guys, it's that time of the show. Jump up and down. Here is your good news. So our first good news story, and I know you'll all be shocked to hear this, has to do with something terrible happening to one of my enemies. And my enemy today is the NRA. Mm, Just today? uh, Every day. Yeah. Every day, always, 24-7, every hot minute of the day, the NRA is my enemy. So... They recently announced that they are in deep financial trouble mm. and they may be unable to exist. Yeah. This is, it is good news, but also it's worth saying that this is part of a court filing that was uh, obtained by Rolling Stone. Are they just lying? They have um, like tons of money. <laughs> well, they, they do have money, but also think of this could, this is a good fundraising right. uh, We're in tactic crisis for mode. them. Like the we dirty need liberals like, are coming after us. Um, so this is like, and also it's, um, they're making this argument as like part of this lawsuit. So uh, we're, they're probably, they're not, actually about to shut down but it is worth saying it's nice to see them be sad 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 well they also have encountered major problems so one of the major problems they have is insurance coverage yes um and because they have been appropriately villainized Mm -hmm. by uh some in the media by activists there i mean parkland was huge like parkland really damage them a lot because they As it should yeah you tend to look like a villain when you go after uh traumatized children who just saw their classmates gunned down yeah people tend not to like you very much when you do that yeah so when they try to hold rallies and stuff like that um in order to hold rallies sometimes you need to get insurance coverage mm-hmm. and insurance companies don't want to cover you yeah. if they think you're a liability so there are like it's, it's shocking to think that you would be considered a liability when you're an organization that believes that its members should be allowed to carry high-powered automatic <laughs> weapons everywhere at all times. Right, right. So, but my main favorite thing that happened uh, when this story came out is everyone who retweeted it and said thoughts and prayers. Mm. Ah, so cathartic. Because your thoughts and prayers don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, also, this was a very cool moment, and it was just like, I love this video so much. Um, a nice moment of solidarity. Um, so this video has gone viral. Um, it shows construction workers building out a UPS facility in Indianapolis who walked off the job after a boss was accused of racism. He's probably accused of racism because he was being racist, um, which prompted him to fire some Latino workers. So according to Jacobin, the video was filmed by welder Antonin Dangerfield, who posted it online, explaining that a small number of Latino workers were ordered off the job after disobeying the orders of a white boss that Dangerfield said is a racist. In the video, the welder can be heard saying, they are not bullshitting. They thought they were going to play with these amigos, and they said, oh, yeah, we rise together, homie. And they leaving, and they're not bullshitting. (laughs) 
As the workers walk off, he then adds, ain't no grinding, cutting, welding. This motherfucker dead ass quiet. The Mexicans shut this motherfucker down. Ain't nobody here. So they all walked off in solidarity. Amigos, get about this motherfucker. Y'all got him fucked up. <laughs> get him. They sent a couple of them home. They all packed their shit up and shut this motherfucker down. Nigga, who y'all think y'all playing with? Mexico, man, this is what black people need to be on, man. I swear to God, I love this shit. They are packing they shit up and shutting this motherfucker. Huh? Uh, oh my mama, all that shit. <laughs> they are not bullshitting. They packed up. Yeah, I see, it's over. Them motherfuckers now packed up and dipped. They thought they was gonna play with these amigos and they said, oh yeah, we rise together, homie. And they leaving. And they not bullshitting. Take this in, man. Look at this, man. They shut this big motherfucker down today, man. We all going home, man. The SAs, look, ain't no grinding, cutting, welding. This motherfucker dead ass quiet. The Mexicans shut this motherfucker down, nigga. Said, fuck you, bitch. And really, and really, see, this is what I'm talking about, baby. I swear to God, they got me here geeked up. Oh, my Malcolm X shit. Oh, my mama, nigga. Fuck the bullshit, nigga. Look at this. They shut this bitch down. They pissed them off, nigga. And they said, fuck you, we out. We not working no more today. Kiss my ass, nigga. I'll let y'all tomorrow. On oh, my mama. That's great. Look. Ain't nobody here. We're just cleaning up. We're going home. It's over. I'm right with the essays, nigga. Fuck it. Going to the crib. Going to the... Going to the casa. I thought I would go, man. Boy, be in. You swear to God. These motherfuckers want to play it. Yeah, and uh, you know there there's an amazing interview with uh, Dangerfield mm -hmm. at Jacobin uh, with Micah Utrecht, and it's amazing. Uh, not just because he describes what happened, you know, quite beautifully, but there's also amazing quotes in there, like mm. "We rise together, homie." <laughs> I love it, uh, and also update. He was, he did lose his job because of posting the video. They right. asked him to take it down. Although uh, people have already f done some fundraising for him through a local labor activist in Indianapolis where he's based. And at least one Indianapolis-based labor lawyer mm -hmm. has volunteered to take on take him on pro bono in terms of fighting for basic rights because of Good. the fact that he was clearly fired in retaliation for showing solidarity with uh, yeah. oppressed workers. So there is, you know, again, total uh, total good good side to the, the yes. sad stuff happening. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then, uh, I have enough time, yeah. Uh, so this was huge news, especially if you understand um, the history of the Catholic Church and also how a lot of people still basically set their watch to what the Vatican says. Mm -hmm. So this is like actually a very big deal. I think I think for like secularists and like people like us, we roll our eyes whenever like Pope Francis or the Vatican yeah. says something because we're like, who cares? But, you know, billions of people yeah. care very much. So Pope Francis um, did something huge recently and changed the church's teaching about the death penalty. What the church used to say was, in some cases, the death penalty is permissible. Mm -hmm. If it's like, you know, considered justified, um, 
you know, if you've it, got the same old like eye for an eye yes. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now um, Pope Francis says that is inadmissible. The death penalty is never permitted. Um, this is one of those times where Pope Francis is doing his cool Pope thing. His cool Pope, yeah. yeah. When he's not accusing transgender people of being atomic bombs, uh, he is the cool Pope. Mm -hmm. uh, every once in a while, it's still like, there it is. There's the Catholic in you. But in this specific case, this was a good thing. Um, it was a huge deal because there's still, you know, um, countries, including the United States, where the death penalty is legal, and this is the head of the Catholic Church saying that's indefensible. Yeah, um, which is nice because finally the Catholic Church, at the very least, now has a fully coherent and consistent policy on life. So it is sure. bad in like being anti-abortion. At least now they have eliminated their fun little death penalty exceptions. So it sucks, but also like cool. Now we're not that like. Now it's not that like weird One of those small town instances where you're just hypocrisy. like, really, man? Like, <laughs> you'll like you'll kill like a bat, you'll kill an adult, but you can't kill the baby. Right, 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 yeah. right. Also, get a little more uh, aggressive with your um, opposition of war. Then, oh yeah, if to be fully like have a fully unified position of life, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean. So we're, it's baby steps. Baby you steps, know? yes. The, we'll probably never get lady priests, but at least now we're not doing death penalty. Yeah, they, they really don't want women to be priests. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, can our lady brains actually fully understand catechism? I don't think we can. Mm, I tough. don't get it. I've had male priests explain it to me, and I'm like, whatever. I know. Are, are you sure that's not because they've been doing it in Latin and you don't speak a dead language? Oh, that's why I don't understand what's going yeah. on. Yeah, okay. oh, you've only been to explain. You've only I, been only, to I went to the old School Latin. Yeah, you were doing <laughs> Roman pre Catholic masses. Pre-Vatican pre II <laughs> is uh, that's it's a weird little pocket in Illinois that right. only does yeah. <laughs> just Latin masses. <laughs> oh man, that was a big thing actually. Like my parents when they were you know young, they still did the masses in Latin. Yeah, like my parents have a clear memory of when they started to do the masses in English, and they were like, "This is wild." Yeah. <laughs> I know everybody's really excited. Come for the politics and the uh, pop culture analysis. Stay for all of the jokes about old school Catholicism. Right. You guys know there's one person who's like cracking up right now. They're like, "I do, I do know." Yes. Uh, so before we go, was there like any like last minute add on items? Um. No. How's Rosie? Oh, Rosie is wonderful. She was very mad at me because I took her out in the rain yesterday, <gasps> and I need to get Does she her have a little raincoat. She doesn't, but I need to get her one. <gasps> um, I've been informed that they exist, and I, I would probably have to get it tailored. Um, and I just want to say, if anyone knows if there's a person who does dog tailoring yeah i would love to know about in new york it, city yeah yeah um but i i will need to get her get her one because she's does been, she is she one of the dogs that can wear little shoes um she can um can she, she get little rain boots i mean wouldn't that be nice i i just have a lot of plans for rosie's outfits and uh, i wish you would humor them is what i'm saying i can probably do that you're just saying that because you love putting penny in i do kitty pajamas penny doesn't love it so if i could find like a little animal who actually enjoys being dressed up and i think that's more of a dog thing yeah i mean rosie is not crazy about it yeah. but as long as it's sort of you know as long as it's tight, she can handle She'll it. She'll humor yeah. it. Yeah. She'll humor it. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking about, you know, about getting, 
uh, little little doggy raincoat. Oh, also, you guys should follow Rosie on social media. She has her own Instagram. Yeah, at Rosa Luxembourg. Yep, that's her name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's her full name. So yeah, I still have a dog named after Rosa Luxembourg. Yeah, there you go. yeah, you do. Uh, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L Clark. Uh, go follow Rachel as well at Doctor R U B I D I U M. Guys, please go to lighttreason.news. Hit that donate button. Keep us going for as little as $5 a month. Also, thank you to everybody who's recently signed up at my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. We just had another online hangout there. It was so fun. We uh, shared a bunch of photos of our pets. And we, we talked about a bunch of like really cool stuff. Sometimes people get like very candid in the mm. online hangout, which is very nice. I feel like it's sort of become like a support community for that's, each other. That's good. I mean, that means yeah. that people are really uh, joining it in the spirit in which it's intended. Exactly. Uh, and then, yeah, guys, thank you for all of the support. It's been a really nutty time in my life, and I really, really needed the support. And you guys stepped up. So I love you. Thank you. And I know times are tough right now, so if you can't afford to become a member, it's okay. I don't want to ever shame anybody. Just tell your friends about the show or, or family members who might be open to it. Please don't send your conservative aunt my way. <laughs> She'll be so mad and I don't want to get into a fight with her. But like, you know, like-minded people. If anybody's like, oh, man, I really need new podcasts to listen to. Light trees and news, baby. Thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>